Father, right now, we just pause and recognize the fact that we are blessed to be here. God, we look at our situation here and what's going on even in our culture in the United States, and we think, oh man, how can we manage? And yet, it's nothing compared to the churches around the world that are struggling under the persecution of governments and other religions and other situations uh, strife as far as poverty and the need for food and all the things that go along with so many areas of our world. Father, we pray for those churches that are desperately doing the diligence that you've called them to do, to share the gospel in their villages, in their communities, in their towns. Father, give them the strength. Pray, I pray specifically for those pastors that are going to step up and share the word this weekend. Father, that you would anoint them and guide them. Remind those churches around the world, how important it is that they continue to be light and salt in their region, in their community, in their village. We pray for them in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to be in Genesis 22, so if you want to turn there. Now, when, when uh, Jesse shared with me the, the weekend that I was going to be able to, to speak, and he gave me the title, and it was... Um, Parenting with Peace, and then I looked at Genesis 22 on what we're about to read. It doesn't feel like or even look like when I read it, and when you read it, a, a very peaceful situation. And yet, by the, only by God's grace and the power of His Holy Spirit, we're going to get through this and see where we can parent with peace in the midst of struggles and challenges, and we can trust the Lord. And this series started a while back. We talked about marriage. We talked about siblings. We talked about God's trustworthiness and His protection the destructive patterns in relationships. Today we're going to talk about parenting. And through November, there's things like personal conduct and your choices that we're going to be talking about and applying God's Word to. And so I'm really excited about how this series is going to continue through November and what Pastor Jesse will bring. A little public service announcement so I don't do it later. Uh, turn your clocks back tonight. Don't just rely on your phones. Uh, we, we, we gain an hour's sleep. For those that look forward to that, we get an extra hour of sleep because we turn our clocks back. For those, who, those of you with children, that means they're just going to get up earlier. It's all good. Yeah. Anyway, that's where we're going want to remember that. Okay, Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22. Now that I've spoken about fit in fifth gear, I'll slow it down for a second. If you'll pray with me one more time before we read the Word together. Father... We open up the Word today, and we seek your guidance. Father, we're going to read a passage of Scripture of an event in history, and God, I, I pray that, that it's because of your Word and your Holy Spirit that we walk out of here changed today. Father, lead and guide our thoughts and our, our minds and our hearts, and we surrender ourselves to you, and we invite the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Genesis chapter 22. Now you're going to see it on the screen. It's going to be in the New Living Translation. Follow along with the version that you have. Uh, as Pastor Jesse always says, if you need a Bible, let us know. We'll get you one. We, we are honored to be able to do that. Last week, last week I was blessed to be able to give uh, an eight-year-old her very first Bible uh, and sit with her and her mom and hear her testimony of how her life had been changed as she started a relationship with Jesus and how much she just desired her kids, and specifically her eight-year-old, to start that path. And uh, it was just so cool to be able to do that. And um, so if you don't have a Bible, trust me, we, we do want to provide those for you. And uh, it's a privilege for us to do that. 
Genesis chapter 22, Parenting with Peace, starting with verse 1. We're going to read it straight through without stopping. I'll breathe a little bit, but we're going to go right through it. Verse 1, Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him, along with his son, Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place God had told him about. Verse 4, on the third day of the journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel farther. We will worship there, and then we will come right back. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the fire and the knife as the two of them walked on together. Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have the fire and the wood, the boy said, but where's the sheep for the burnt offering? God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son, Abraham answered, and they walked on together. When they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. At that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way. For now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by his horns in a thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. Abraham named the place Yahweh Yireh, which means the Lord will provide. To this day, people still use that name as a proverb, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called again to Abraham from heaven. This is what the Lord says. Because you have obeyed me and have not withheld even your own son, your only son, I swear by my own name that I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number. Like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies. And through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed, all because you have obeyed me. Then they returned to the servants and traveled back to Beersheba, Beersheba where Abraham continued to live. I got to tell you, I stared at this passage. You know, I have the privilege of getting a heads up early on. You know, I don't know how the man does it week after week after week. I know he's got a plan. I know he prepares, and God bless him. He's so gifted, our senior, our lead pastor. You know, I've been staring at this passage for weeks, and I mean weeks. I'm like, parenting with peace. Abraham goes to sacrifice Isaac. They just didn't feel like they should go together. They just didn't. How does, that, how does that work? How can a parent 
take his son on this three-day journey and feel any peace about what's going on and feel any peace about what's next. It just, it just took a while to figure it out. Not in my own strength, but in the Lord. And so, you know, I do things a little bit different. So kind of, you know, we're just going to walk through this. I'm just going to kind of break down this passage into about seven key points. And I just, for whatever reason, it just formulates this way in my mind. But we're just going to kind of unpack this a little bit more and then have some application for what that looks like for for parents of all ages. And even if you're not a parent, I'm sure that God's got something for you. I'm sure of it. So here's the first point. I call it the testing. There was the testing. It was in verse 1. Abraham is going to be tested by God. God says, God tested Abraham's faith. Now, why does God need to test somebody's faith? Especially someone like Abraham. Now, I know we've learned that there's been ups and downs. Yep, that's me. Ups and downs over time with Abraham. We've read about it. We've read about it. Why would God need to test Abraham? Why would he do that? I have no idea. How's that for profound response? I have no idea. Did God just think, well, you know, I'm going to test him again, or I'm going to test him for the first time, or what's up with that? Like, this was a man that had already heard from God of the plan God had for him, right? And specifically for Isaac and the generation to follow. Why would God need to test him? I mean, God had already made the promise. He'd already made the commitment. He'd already made a covenant in his own words with Abraham. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I've had some, we've had a season, and I don't tend to talk too much about, want to talk too much about what's going on in our lives, but I go, God, why? That's, that couldn't have been a test with our daughter. It just couldn't have been. Why would you test us that way? Why? God, why do you put us in situations? Is it to test us? Some people think we get in bad situations because we're supposed to be punished, and I, I totally discount that. Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. All things work together for the good. Abraham was being tested by God, but God had a plan. God had a plan, and I think it'll be real evident the reasons behind what God was doing as we unpack this a little bit more. So there was this testing where it started, the testing. And then in verses 2 and 3, there was the instruction that Abraham received. Abraham, here's what I want you to do. Take your son your only son. Now this was, he had other children. We won't get into that in different ways. We won't get into that. But this was the one, this was the one that God had chosen, that God told Abraham, your son, your only son, that's the way they considered him, God and Abraham. You're the one you love. This is what I want you to do. This instruction. So what did Abraham do? What should we do when we get instruction by God? We should do it. Abraham got up the next morning early, and he prepared for the journey. You know, as parents, we know what to do. And let's just be real. We don't really want to do it, do we? We don't want to do it. Like, yeah, I don't think so. Nah, uh-uh. nah that's going to be too hard. I don't want to do that for whatever reason. We could have selfish reasons. We could have other ideas. We, we may think we have it, it figured out better than what God has figured out. I don't know. There are times when we, we're just not responsive like that. But Abraham 
had no other reason but to respond so quickly. Why? Well, him and God were pretty tight. Let's just be real. They've had conversations before, and he knew God's voice, and he responded, and he received the instruction, and off they went. Off they went. And he took his son, whom he loved, and they went on the journey. The Bible tells us where they went was about three days. It's about three days' distance from where they were to where they were going. And as I continue to read on, then I I hit this thing. It's like the question. The question in verse 7. Verse 7. The question. Now, this isn't a question from Abraham to God. This is the question from son to father. And Isaac says, Dad? Yeah. So here's the thing, Dad. Like, um, we... We don't have an animal for the offering. Now, there's a lot of conversations, been a lot of study about trying to figure out how old Isaac was at this time. I mean, I've done my research. I've gone to Google and so many other places to try to figure out how old Isaac was when this happened in Genesis 22. I'm just going to ignore it. That's all I can do. Genesis 22. He wasn't really young, but he wasn't super old. How's that? Does that narrow it down for us? Okay, he was old enough to carry the wood that was going to be for the offering, for for the sacrifice. But while they're traveling, he asked the question, Dad, we're missing something. We're missing something. Now, the thing I got from that, and it's easy to gloss over it, is Isaac had spent enough time with his dad to know the rhythms of their family. He knew. I mean, he's taken this journey. It didn't take him long to figure out There's not much between here and there, and there's no place to stop and buy a sheep. There's probably no place to go. You know, we're not going through anybody's farmland. We're not going to do that. We're not going to do it. You want me to do it? That's all right. Try this one. There we go. I could throw this. You could get hit with this because I start getting demonstrative up here, and something could go. I'm sorry, but it may happen. I just, a little PSA for that. Okay. And Isaac says, Dad, we're missing something. You know, as parents, you need, we need to be reminded that the rhythms we set, they pick up on the changes. They, the, there's a rhythm that gets established in our home in those daily routines and those times. Have you ever had one of your kids go, and maybe you have to think back if your kids are older now, of, hey, wait a minute, uh, we're getting ready to eat, but you, we're not praying tonight? I mean, that's a rhythm. Like you're, when your kids are really little, it's like, pray, pray. Like if we missed a prayer time for dinner, we were reminded. We were reminded. Isaac is hanging out with his dad. They're taking this long journey. It's like, Dad, I, I just need to ask you something pretty important here. I don't know if, if maybe you're losing it. I know you're older. I mean, you had me when you were old. I don't know. There's no animal going with us. That donkey is not appropriate anyway. That can't be the donkey, Right? So the question gets asked. The question gets asked, and he's comfortable enough to ask it. That's so important as parents. We need to establish an environment where our kids are comfortable asking questions. I can guarantee you that most of the questions that are important to our kids start with this simple word, either mom or dad. And the older they get, we want them to keep asking the questions to us, the important ones specifically. 
that they come to us. Isaac said to his dad, something's missing. Where's the animal for the offering? Old enough to ask the question around his family long enough and grown up long enough to know that something wasn't right. And so he asked the question. And then in verse 8 was the answer. Have you ever been asked a question that's kind of put you on the defensive as a parent and you don't really respond well? Am I the only one? I didn't think so. Abraham didn't get defensive. Abraham didn't get upset. He just simply said, God himself will provide. Now, what a statement. What a statement to say with your son, the one you love, the one that God has so much plans for, you know it. You've, it's okay. God's got it. God's got it. I mean, what an example of faith. What an example to set for his son. That, hey, I know it doesn't, things don't look right right now, but it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. I know that doesn't make sense, but it's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. God will provide. God will provide. Trusting God even though you don't have the answer. Even when, you, even when your feelings play games in your mind, one step, complete trust and obedience because of the relationship of love with God. That's what we need to have as parents. That kind of deep relationship with God, knowing that even when the world is upside down, even when things don't make sense, even though we're not sure what's next, God will provide. Like it couldn't have made sense to Abraham. Before the Lord, I mean, he's, he's responding the appropriate way, but that's three days to do a lot of thinking. And a lot of just really processing, like we're going on this journey. Yeah, I know, I know we don't have an animal. I know you've asked that like a hundred times now. We don't have an animal. I know it's going to be what God will provide. Now, he didn't say it a hundred times, but I can only imagine after three days, I mean, come on. God, really, are you going to provide? Like we've been at, I mean, this is a journey. Like, don't you think maybe, no, uh-uh, he's not thinking that. He's not thinking that at all. He's got three days to think about the fact that he's, He's going to sacrifice his son. There was no condition on the front end about a replacement offering. Yeah, he's like, you're thinking, pastor's really off. He's got this all wrong. I get it. I was just going down the other direction, trying to see if you're paying attention. Isaac and Abraham are on this walk for three days. Abraham knows what's, what's coming. And in the middle of it is somewhere, his son says, so... Where's the animal? It's okay, Isaac. God will provide. Oh, what an incredible statement. I mean, just camp on that for a while. That was the response. And then in verse 9 and 10, they get there. They leave the servants, and they go, and he puts his faith in action. Abraham goes with Isaac. Abraham builds an altar. Abraham arranges the wood. Now, I'm telling you, this peaceful parenting thing just doesn't make sense right now at this moment in this event. He ties up his son. He ties up his son and puts him on the wood. This wood that he took time to chop and load on a donkey and then move it over to his son and they go up a mountain there's so far no peace i'm not i'm i mean i'm reading this passage over and over and over again i'm thinking where's the peace in all this 
and he puts him on the altar. And then, (laughs) why would he do it? Well, Hebrews chapter 11. It's going to come up on the screen. This is what got me. You know, it's amazing how God works things out. (laughs) Side note, before we read Hebrews 11, which is already on the screen, it's all good. You know, it's, it's amazing how God works. Because in the midst of processing this, I'm, I'm sitting with uh, Pastor Rick, our, our shepherding pastor, and he brings up this verse. Because I was kind of trying to debate if I was going to pull it into this or not and, and share it. But it makes total sense. Hebrews chapter 11, starting with verse 17. It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac, even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, here's what the writer says, if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life. And in a sense, Abraham did not receive his son back. Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. It was by faith that Isaac promised blessings for the future to his sons, Jacob and Esau. It makes total sense. Abraham is so tight with God. Now, he's not perfect. Abraham, we've already been been reading and been taught about how imperfect Abraham is. But he is so close to God. He's got, he's just like, well, God will figure it out. There's nowhere in this passage where it says Abraham was all freaking out all messed up, all worked up, anxious, nervous. There's a calmness that I read through this scripture. How about you? There is this peace that Abraham has in the process of taking his son up for, to sacrifice him. Because, hey, if I do, if I do slit his throat and kill him right there, God's going to bring him back to life, the Bible tells us. Abraham had this confidence in God. Now, as a parent, you, you, I mean, when you're talking about your relationship with your kids and trusting God with your kids and the situations they're in, like you, you, I mean, to have that kind of peace for Abraham is an amazing thing. And, and I stopped right there and thought, that's, that's what I need. How about you? The kind of confidence in my relationship, the intimacy with God to such a depth and so close to him that no matter what, I know God's got my kids. No matter what. That's peaceful parenting, if you you ask me. You know, there's a place I went to about 10 years ago. Show them the, go ahead, show them the picture. This is as close as you can get to the place. There it is. This is the, the Western Wall, if you don't recognize it, or the Wailing Wall. But for the Jews, this is as close as they can get because this was built over where Abraham took Isaac to sacrifice him. And that's as close as they can get. God will provide. God will provide. It was such a big deal, Abraham named the spot. He put a name on it. And they continue to go, even to this day, and remember and go as close as they can to that moment where God showed up and provided. Now, there's a whole series of messages in that, but I just, it's a big deal. It's a big deal what happened. I mean, think about it. Here was this, this moment, this promise, thank you, 
and this provision that came in verses 11 through 14. Have you ever watched a football game where it's getting to the end of the game uh, and it's really close and it's down to the field goal, kind of like half or more of the Seahawks games it feels like we watch? It's the last play of the game, just being real. And they go out there and the place, the, the, the field goal kicker gets out there and he's getting ready to, he's getting ready to kick that ball and all of a sudden the, the coach from the other team takes a time out to ice the kicker, right? I mean, that's how quick things change. Abraham is ready to sacrifice his son and then the sweetest voice that Abraham could ever hear was from the Lord. Abraham, Abraham. So many times in scripture, God uses somebody's name twice. Moses, Moses, Saul, Saul. I don't know about you, but as a parent, there are times that I, I just want to hear God's voice say, Mark, Mark, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. I, I've provided for you. I've provided. You know, I can remember times it's like I'd be with my wife, Sherry and I would be talking about something when our kids were younger. It's like even now, honestly, even now. It wasn't just when they were younger. And we go, man, what, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? How are we going to make it? What should we do? And somehow, some way, God shows up and he says, Mark, Mark, it's going to be okay. I'm going to provide. I'm going to show up. And that's what, that's what Abraham experiences. He shows up. And not only does God show up, he, he provides a way to change the whole scenario, doesn't he? Bible tells us he provided something for the offering. And God purposed all that to test Abraham, as he said, to test him. Let's go back to verse 15 real quick. Actually, this one hand thing isn't working for me. I'm just telling you right now. But I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. God's got it. This is what the Lord says, verse 16, because you have obeyed me and have not withheld even your son. See, God gets the opportunity to reinstate what he's already told Abraham. See, I believe God wants to be a superhero to anyone. Jesus is the superhero, and he wants to show up, and he loves, I believe God just loves to make sure he gets our attention. Now, in this situation, I think God just takes great pleasure in reminding Abraham how big he is. He, doesn't do, he can do it in every, any way he wants, but it's his way for Abraham to hear once again, not for the first time, but once again, I have a plan for you and your son and all descendants that follow. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. My promise isn't changing. It's not changing. He does all that so we so that Abraham hears from him again. So he gets his attention. He gets his attention. I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants. Man, what a reminder. Surely I will bless you. You know what we need to remember as parents? We'll get to some application here. It's not about us. God's plan for us to be parents is to prepare the next generation. It's to shape in them a foundation of faith 
that can be transferred again and that they'll transfer it again and again and again. It's not about us as parents. It's about what God's plan is that's bigger and greater. Scripture always shows that, demonstrates it from Old Testament to New. It is generational, generational. Deuteronomy 6.10. Dave's up there like, you didn't give me that scripture. That's not up there on the screen. I know it isn't. When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you, this is talking to Moses, a land with large flourishing cities you did not build. The plan is always bigger. You and I as parents, we're not going to see the bigger plan. We're not. We just have to deal with what's in front of us, whatever that face is, whatever age they're at. We've got to respond and walk by faith and trust God with our kids, and he's going to provide what we need. God doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't make mistakes. This, wasn't a, this, wasn't, this was intentional by God with Abraham. And it should bring us peace, knowing that what we do and how we respond is going to impact not only our children, but the generations that follow. So here's some application. First, let's, hit this, let's talk about adults, parents that are new parents, or future parents, or you have younger children. Let me ask you a few questions. You don't have to, you can write them down. You can, I'll send you the notes later, but just make yourself a note to these questions. Maybe things like this that we should be asking. What are your daily rhythms with your kids? What are the things that you do? So that when things just don't seem right, your kids are just so confident. It's like, wait a minute, mom, how come we're not doing that? Like Isaac said to Abraham. How are you building trust with your kids? Do you think that Isaac was getting more and more nervous the farther they got in their journey? What is my, is my dad lost it? There's no animal with us. Like now he's having me carry the wood. We're going up this mountain. See, we invest in our kids and we build those rhythms and we lead our children, not just teach them, but lead them. They're going to trust you even when it doesn't make sense to them. That's exactly the way it's supposed to be. Even when it doesn't make sense to them, they're going to trust you because they have confidence in you. And you're building that intentionality, that authentic faith in their lives. Now, if you're a parent of a teenager, now you're, you're stepping a whole different arena. A whole different arena. How can you parent peacefully with teenagers? I don't know. It's not a peaceful time. I'm just joking. There, there's peace in teenage. In, whew, you guys are too serious tonight. I guess what I would, I would say to you as a parent of a teenager, they've already figured out what you believe in, what you'll stand for, where your, where your boundaries are. Like they figured it out by the time they become teenagers. They know. They know. And I guess my question that I challenge you with is this. What are the habits, routines, things that you're, you do in your life now that are speaking something different? Speaking something different than what you would like your child to become. I'll tell you what, I got called out on that so many times. How about you? Okay, I'm the only one. That's okay. I'm just being real. 
What are the things in our choices that are, what are we witnessing to our teenage kids? What are we doing? Now, the, the, the journey I'm in now, the season that we're in as parents is, is this one. Our, our kids are grown up. Like they're adults. They're adults. And that changes how I parent with them. If I'm going to continue to have a, a, a relationship and be a parent that parents peacefully, then I'm going to have to act different and respond different and be different to my adult children. And so the questions that I ask myself a lot are, how well am I listening to them? How well am I encouraging them? How much am I praying for them? How much am I holding my tongue and waiting for them to ask before I volunteer my opinion? And again, how much am I trusting God with my kids now that they're married and have children? Our roles are different in every season and every phase, and our influence can be different. But it's not too late. You may think, well, man, my kids are all grown up, but it's, it's a very different picture than what I'd ever planned. Like, we don't talk that much. We don't, we don't communicate that much. We don't hang out that much. I don't see them that much. Well, I guess my questions to you are in relationship to what does God want to do through you? Because family's the most important thing. Second to a relationship with Jesus, your family is priority. And I guarantee you, the families that are, have peace in their relationships with their kids, uh, it, it's a game changer. And it's worth putting in the, the work. If there's things that you need to change, if there's things that need to be done different, if there is something that needs to happen in your kids, don't wait for them to change. What is it in you that needs to change? That influence that you had when they were little, it's still just as important when they're all grown up. And for some, there's an intensity that changes. Like I remember holding my, my oldest when she was born and my firstborn. I remember holding her. I have a picture of, of staring into her face and I'm thinking, my life is never going to be the same. From this moment on, I am going to love you. I'm going to take care of you. And the tears started flowing. That's the kind of intensity we have to have if our kids are all grown up. We still need to have that same kind of intensity, that confidence of knowing God's going to provide. He's going to provide. Even though he's asking me to do some things that are uncomfortable or to, to, to reach out and apologize. Somebody needed to hear that. And then there's this space that I wasn't expecting as I was preparing you know, way back in Exodus, God said this. Right here. It's coming up. Honor your father and mother. Then you will live a long life in the land the Lord your God is giving you. That's part of one of the what? Ten commandments. Honor your father and mother. We need to continue to love our parents even in when they're in their twilight years, when they're struggling, let's just be real. This isn't, I haven't always looked this bad. I had a better looking body when I was younger. Not much, but it's a little bit better. 
I didn't have as many aches and pains. The older we get, I'm telling you, we struggle. And it's not just the, the knees and the hips and the arms and the shoulders. It's, it's the heart and the brain. Our bodies break down. Our parents need to continue to be honored in their later years. Trust me when I say this. It's worth it. Honor your parents. You don't know my parents. I, you, don't, you, didn't know, you don't know my parents either. Honor them. God wants to bless you as you honor your parents. And if we're, the older I get, the more I realize I got to be patient because my kids care about me. And they're going to tell me things I don't want to hear. On the outside, I'm already hearing them on the inside. Dad, you're kind of getting forgetful. Really? You're going to tell me that right now? But they love me. They're going to honor me. And they're going to honor their mom. And we need to honor our parents. Even in the later years, we need to go before the Lord and get on our knees and say, God, give us the strength to put up with this. To honor my mom and dad, even when they just are just driving me crazy. God, I need the strength to help them in their later years. I know what I'm going to be praying in about 10, 15, 20 years. Just help me appreciate my kids because they want the best for me, and I don't like it. I don't like being in this stage of my life, but my, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to trust you to provide what I need through my kids. That was God's plan. It's always been that way. Developing a peace-centered daily life with our parents, and parents, a peace-filled life with our kids so that when things don't make sense and God asks us to do something that just, even though it doesn't surprise you, but it does surprise you, or when you're in a situation where you just don't know what to do, to know that God will provide and to be at peace about that because we are close with Jesus we are in our relationship with him. We're close to God. So what's the takeaway? I've learned a while back that if you can just remember one thing from tonight, I was, with the Lord's help, we were successful. One thing, here it is. <laughs> commit to doing the right thing. As a parent, I commit to doing the right thing. Well, what's the right thing? I don't know, it's different for each of us. I do know this, it's not gonna be easy never is. And it's not necessarily what others recommend. I'm convinced there's only two people you need to align with when it comes to what to do as a parent. Align with your spouse and align with Jesus. First Jesus, then your spouse. If the three of you are on the same page, no matter what anybody else says, trust God that that person he put beside you in your life, that you guys are lined up, you're going to do, do it. It's going to be okay. God will provide. He'll provide. And don't do what feels right. Find out what's right. Do the right thing. Commit to doing the right thing. What's the right thing for you? That's my challenge for you tonight. What's the right thing? How do you find out what the right thing is? Well, walking with Jesus and learning to live for him has the methods haven't changed. The process hasn't changed. He gave us his word that we can, we can lean on no matter how we feel. God's word is constant. And you know what he gave us? 
He gave us the opportunity, the privilege to be in relationship with him. And do you think God wouldn't show up and help us understand what to do next, what the right thing is in the relationships that are most important to him? He created family. He's going to show up. He's going to provide. He's going to provide the right decision, the right understanding, and the courage and the strength to do it. So ask these kind of questions. What does God's word say? And God, what are you saying? Take the time to be still and listen. If you're going to do the right thing, and it's a big deal that you do, then take the time to find out what the right thing is. I've spent more time being still before the Lord than I ever have in my 56 years of life in the last six months. I don't know why I've had to apologize so much to God for just that. To just be still. To not just try to figure it out, but to be still before the Lord. So we're going to close. I'm going to ask the team to come back up. You know, I don't know what category you fit in. You know, where this message has the Lord spoken to you about, whether you have younger kids or teenagers or your kids are adults or you're in that stage of life when you're, you're having to lean in, on your kids more than you feel comfortable with. I don't know. I don't know. But I'm going to ask you to take a moment, just bow your heads, close your eyes for just a second. They're going to start playing. I want to, I want to, I want to read you a statement. Just between you and the Lord, I want to read a statement. I'm just going to have you fill in the blank. You can write it down later. But I guarantee you, if the Holy Spirit impresses upon you, you'll remember it. You won't have to write it down. And it's this. I'm going to read it, and then you fill in the blank. You just quietly in your own heart. As a parent, responding to what you, God, are impressing on me right now, I commit to do the right thing, which is fill in the blank. I commit to doing the right thing, which is Father, we come before you tonight. And we think about our kids. But God, first and foremost, we, I guess really we shouldn't be thinking about them first. We really should be focused on you. Sorry. God, I got it mixed up. As parents, sometimes we want to get ahead of you. And that does not lead to a peaceful parenting lifestyle. So God, we just confess it right now. We need you first in our own lives. God, I pray right now if there's someone in this room or watching online that, that doesn't know you personally, that doesn't, isn't experiencing a relationship with you, Jesus, for, for whatever reason, I pray, God, they put their trust in you now that they would uh, just hand over their life to you and just put you first to recognize how much you love them and that your plan is perfect for them and that you'll always provide. And whatever reason they come to this point now that they would put their trust in you and confess their mistakes, ask for forgiveness and ask Jesus, 
your son to come into their lives, that you would take over. And for the rest of us, God, whatever that one thing is, what it is that we need to do differently, that one thing to do the right thing, Father, we just, we, we, we're doing our best. We're just going to hand it off to you. We're going to let go of it. We're going to trust you because you're trustworthy. We're going to trust you even when it doesn't make sense. We're going to trust you even when we don't want to because we love you more. We will trust you more. We will surrender ourselves to you in a greater degree right now with our children, with the ones that we're separated from, that we need, to, we need a miracle. There's some that need a miracle to be back in relationship with their kids. Oh God, that you would just move in them in such a way that it wouldn't matter how difficult the circumstances have been, how severe the disconnection has become, but God, they would come before you and just in their own heart confess whatever it is that they need to change and they would be courageous by the power of your Holy Spirit to begin to mend that relationship. Father, forgive us when we get so frustrated with our own parents that we want to flee. Oh God, help us to be our hearts to break for our parents who are struggling. God, use us. Use us. Forgive us for turning away from the responsibility of caring for our parents. Help us to do the right thing. Give us the strength to do it even when they don't want to do it. But we're going to step in and do our best by the power of your spirit. You're going to give us grace. And God, help us to not turn away from the next generation of kids, those in our home, those in our church, those in our neighborhood. Oh, God, it starts with us. It starts with us. Forgive us. As we sing this song, God, help us just to worship you as an act of worship to to lay out those struggles that we're having before you as we sing, knowing that you're in control, knowing that you're faithful, and knowing that you're there. You're not going to lead us astray. And just like Abraham we will hear your voice. Oh, we want to hear your voice, God. We love you and we thank you for all that you're going to do in this week ahead. As we worship you through song, Holy Spirit, come, minister to our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.